Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. And today, have we got a treat for you? This I'm really, really looking forward to this because this is the first time we've ever had a, a birth mum and her a, a child on on the show. Um, so, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Suzanne and Cynthia. Thank you for making time for for us today. Nice to be here, Simon. Thank you. Yeah, um, we've just been uh, having a. a Chapman and uh, Suzanne, she's got she's got family like twelve miles away um, from from me in in York, which is kind of kind of spooky since we are probably six thousand miles away. We're zooming more. six thousand miles <laughs> away um, for from you guys in uh, now. It's it's uh, Idaho, isn't it? Is that right? Yes, Idaho. Boise, Boise, yeah, Boise. So. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been to, I've never been to, uh, I've never been to Idaho. I've, probably the closest I've got is, is LA when I was thirteen. So that's still probably what ten miles drive is it from? <laughs> I don't know. Or is it more than that? I don't know. Um, I've been to, I've been to, um, uh, I've been to Seattle. I've been to LA, but I've never, never been near near Idaho. So. Um, but last time I went to the States, I was in I was in Nashville and the guy that was organizing the, the conference was from Boise. Um, hmm. uh, entrepreneur. Um uh, I had five thousand people there at the at the conference before before wow. uh, before uh, before COVID, obviously. Um so uh, how long have you guys been reunited? About a year, a little bit more than a year. So a year in October. Yeah. October twelfth. Yeah. So. And and how how has that been? That's uh, it's been amazing. Um, it's been so just wonderful. We just ended up living fifteen minutes apart, so we've been able to spend a lot of time together this year and and really get to know each other and and um, travel together and and then. All sorts of things. So it's been it's been really a blessing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe next time you travel together, you could travel over to see the friends in in York, and we could and and uh, in the in the village up in the Yorkshire Dales, um, and maybe we could uh, get to that'd be great, wouldn't it? That'd be better because because now we're 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 about I don't know eighteen inches. I'm eighteen inches away from the screen approximately, but we you know we are six thousand miles away by Zoom. It's amazing, absolutely. Amazing, and and what's it been like for for you, Suzanne? How would you? It's it's almost like there's a completion to my life, and it it just feels like everything's kind of back the way it was it should be, and so I I just it just feels so normal and natural, and I I just it feels like she's always been here. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit about my my story about a connection with my my birth mum, because she uh, she died probably 15 years before I started searching. But um, in the adoption file, I came across uh, a letter from her to the to the social worker um, about a, a teddy bear that she'd given me. And I read this letter and I felt at one with her. It's the spookiest feeling I've ever had. I felt at one with her through the letter, right, that she'd written 48 years before. Um, and the tears came down my face and, 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 and washed away any separation um, that I'd felt between us. So that was like, that was from a letter. <laughs> <laughs> and you've connected in person. So I, I, I would get uh, the, the impact that had uh, that, that had on um, me um, uh, must have been, was humongously massive. Um, but Yours probably must have been about a million times different, I would guess, because it's it's not a letter. 
from a, a lady that unfortunately died. It's a, it's a it's a real physical thing in the, in the flesh. So um, you use the word um, completion, um, Suzanne. What what does that mean to you? Well, yeah, I mean, being a parent that releases a child for adoption, you, for me, um, you know, she's always been part of my life. And even though, you know, I didn't know what happened to her, um, I, she's always been there, you know, just always been part of, of, of knowing that she might be out there and um, wondering you know, how she is and what she's experienced. And, you know, it, it was, um, I don't know, just uh, it feels like all of my worst fears didn't come true. Huh. <laughs> and all of my best hopes did. Um, so this is, it's a reunion that I never had hoped for. And, and it's more than just Cynthia and I together. It's our whole families merging um together and i think they all feel a sense of that yeah 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 they really do i i love that merge word um i came up for a metaphor for the thing that happened when i read this letter with from my birth mom which was um so I, I i swim a lot and then um, i use a sometimes use a pool that's a, like a 50 yard long or 55 yard 50, 60 yard long pool and it's got a it's got a riser in it so they can make it from one big pool into two little pools and and how that works is that the the riser comes out of the base of the of the of the swimming pool and um and to, to cut it into two and when as i read that letter from her i felt that the barrier uh, the barrier between us had uh, dropped to the floor and the two the two pools had become one and 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 that's what came to my mind when you used that word merger because it was like i was i was one pool she was another pool and the two pools merged together to form one big one and uh and the uh, the absence of difference or absence of barriers between us um, is called love. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great metaphor. Yeah. Um, what What would you say to uh, What would you say to adoptees listening about this stuff? Fellow adoptees listening. that's a hard question (laughs) I think I you know because I think it's it's not always I'm very aware that that reunions are not always as easy or as um positive as what Suzanne and I have had and so I don't I'm I'm very very aware of how fortunate we are and uh and so I don't know. I don't know if I've reached a point where I I have any advice to give. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know it's a very emotional thing, regardless. Every step. I started searching for my birth mother when I was about eighteen, and um, I'm in my forties now. So <laughs> it's been a long road. Um, and it's it's always been really really emotional on a gut level, um, for me. And it's been so good and um and so fulfilling you know to to reconnect um but i don't i know that's not the case for so many people you know and and so i i don't know what i would say yeah have you got anything suzanne to say on that Uh, i guess today things are easier than they were in the past to make those connections again and i you know I, I think if people are interested that there's a way to approach um you know potential parent child relationships that have been severed um 
that we didn't have 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And so, you know, if that's a calling, I mean, certainly with Cynthia, she pursued this. And if she hadn't, we would never have found each other. So if, you know, you're being driven and you want to make that connection, then I think it's easier today than it ever has been. Um, and to do so in a way that um, doesn't necessarily put you face to face right away so that you have some breathing room to get used to the idea of, you know, having this relationship come back to you um, and, and then go slow. You know, I think, you know, our first instinct was just like, okay, I'll see you in 10 minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we were so close to each other, but also just being concerned about going too fast in a way that would harm that relationship early on. And I, I think we were both very nervous about that, that just, you know, being hyper aware of the other person's um, sensitivity and, you know, experiences and, uh, you know, and, and how the other members of the family would feel. So it was a lot to work through. Yeah. I was very concerned to make sure that my parents were okay, you know, that they felt comfortable before I rushed into um, embracing this new relationship. And thankfully, both of my parents have been really supportive and positive about about this so um that's been great yeah um i i never ever told my mum that i was searching <laughs> yeah um it, it's it's different for everyone um one of the things that uh that came to my mind as you were saying that um you know uh your your you, hum humbleness your humility about not no advice for anyone um I don't think we try to do, we try not to do advice on this show, really. A <laughs> uh, thing came to my mind, I was talking to a, a fellow adoptee last night um, and she said she's, it, it hasn't, she, she said she knew lots of other adoptees and about um, who had searched and it hadn't always worked out but nobody had ever regretted it. Hmm. Nobody had ever regretted it. And I I was listening to something on a audio audio book last night and it used the word roller coaster. And I thought, you know, there's that in, in that during that search process, there's there's that it is an emotional and life's a, a roller coaster, right? So, but especially during that. You know, you you're talking about a, a twenty year, uh, a twenty year search, Cynthia. You know, and you mentioned that last time, and you also mentioned that I scribbled down my notes. You, you mentioned, um, uh, and I don't know who said this, but you said uh, some one of you apologized for not starting starting looking earlier. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the. The, um, the the metaphor that came to mind about a, a, the emotional roller coaster is one that came from a, a mentor of mine, a guy called Michael Neal, who talked about um, yes, an emotional roller coaster, but that that emotional roller coaster is on a massive barge, right, floating gently down the river. I mean, it's a huge barge, right? This is just a metaphor. You know, it's going to be, have to be a really big boat to take your roller coaster. But uh, uh, you know, underneath, we we've, we we go through these highs and highs and lows, and um, and at at, uh, at a, another level, there's a there's a deeper sense of who we are behind the ups and downs of our emotions, right? Does that make Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, and an, another one that pops into my head from a, a mentor of mine called Richard Wilkins, he says that um, happiness and sadness are merely the high and low high and low tide on a big sea called contentment. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and what what we're looking for, we're looking for, we're looking for 
contentment. We're looking for for peace. We're looking to um, uh, navigate life, the ups and downs of life, more with more peace. And and that's that's stepping that that stepping back. You know, people use this word perspective, doesn't don't they? So the perspective is stepping back from the. Um, uh, the, 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 the highs and lows or getting a better vantage point and you know when we see better we can kind of we kind of do better so I just wanted to share that really because uh, another word that you that you shared um, from my notes last time is that you're aware that um, reunion can be can be messy and, 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 and messier so I just I shared that emotional roller coaster and getting off the emotional roller coaster and the and the, the the peace stuff on the basis that if you we don't want to be uh we don't want to be promising everybody this happy hollywood happy ending right mm-hmm. so when i was in la we did the hollywood we stayed in hollywood we did the british touristy things that, that that people do so yeah we went on roller coasters at uh, <laughs> Disneyland we went to, uh, on, on Knott's Bray Farm and we went to Universal Studios and we we we, we did all this and, and Hollywood is um selling as a happy ending isn't it, it, it it's like escapism come to, come well these days Disney's on streaming in the into our homes isn't it but uh, D- Disney films you know y- your cinema is is that escapism and um we're not about escapism on thriving adoptees i don't think we're we're about reality rather than some hollywood dream one of the things i think that makes it so emotional and can make you know reunion be messier is because there's so much of a sense of identity you know with your parents, you know, and, and where you come from and who you are. And, and so when you're confronted with, you know, the biological element of that, you know, like, um, then that can be really emotional and it can change how you think about yourself, you know? Um, and that's, that's always really a little bit scary and, and uncertain, I was stunned by how many strange similarities I had to Suzanne, like not just in how we resemble each other physically, but um, we were both in theater. We both played the same like small part in this uh, little Neil Simon play when we were 16. You know, we both had um, some similar interests. We have very similar tastes in a lot of things, you know, And I think before I had really been in the sort of nurture versus nature debate, I had been nurture all the way. (laughs) Like I had believed and people had told me that, you know, I resembled my adoptive mother, you know, my mom, and that I share some of her mannerisms. And I do, you know, and someone told me that last week we were having pictures taken and the photographer told my mom and I, you know, that she could see the resemblance between us and we don't super resemble each other but like it's it's more than the physical um so i i really believe that that i was formed mostly from that nurture um and then i met suzanne and i was like oh wait (laughs) (laughs) maybe not there's a lot of dna in here there's a lot of genetics and and um some really spooky similarities and things that that were alike you know so yeah uh, you you said that um, it it can change the way you think about yourself. So uh, how has the way that you think about yourself changed since then? Um, I think as part of a bigger whole, some of it is that it just changed the narrative that I was used to thinking about myself. So I grew up with a certain narrative, uh, which sort of sounded like a fairy tale, like this childless couple who really wanted a, a, a child and this brave young woman who gave this child to them and then they all lived happily ever after that was the story I grew up with 
I always knew that I was adopted and my parents told the story that way. And in a way that felt incomplete for me because I recognized that I I was the ending of their story, you know, (laughs) but there was another story there, but I had constructed a narrative of how that had happened based on things that my parents had told me um, that things that they had known. And I think what this situation with Susanna has helped me realize and changed is that each of us in this family, in both sides of this family, um, have their own narrative about what happened and how it happened. And it's it's very different. And that was a real shakeup because it wasn't quite, you know, what I had grown up thinking about. And um, it does it does change how the whole narrative works, you know, in my mind. Certainly my mom's narrative is different then my narrative is different than Suzanne's, you know, and Suzanne's mom and like all of these people who are connected um, have a slightly different version of the story. So that's, it's just, you know, you grow up having the story about your life and what it is and then it, and then it's different and you kind of have to deal with that and, and work through it. Yeah. And that can be true whether you're adopted or not, but yeah, yeah, it definitely is, right? Everyone has their own version of events. Yeah, when Simon was talking about the pools, it made me think of, like, it, it felt like, you know, I've had multiple lifetimes, almost, of just in this lifetime of, like, you know, this was who I was during the 20s and who I was during the 30s. And and then when we met, it felt like it finally all merged together and became one, you know, so it's it's really interesting but i think those narratives may be um part of everyone's life in some way Mm -hmm. i I totally agree i totally agree um before i get onto that though i'm gonna ask you uh just gonna plug in on the narrative carrying carrying on the narrative thing um so you know one of the reasons that i got in touch with uh cynthia is that she's She's a writer. She's written a book, right? So you mm-hmm. find links in the in the um, listeners. You find links as always to our guests' socials and their websites and blogs and books and stuff in the in the links. Um, quick plug: Cynthia's not going to mind that. Okay, um, <laughs> we're finding about her, not her books today. Um, but as a writer. Um, Cynthia uh and are you into writing as well Suzanne is that one of the similarities oh don't shake your head (laughs) yes you are (laughs) I'm not a published distinguished writer like Cynthia no but I love to write well distinguished that's a great word isn't it uh so uh have you have you uh, have you heard this uh this phrase uh the unreliable narrator sure yeah um, do you want to explain that? Because I I figure that you might explain that better than me. Um, well, an unlo- unreliable narrator is like when you're reading a novel and it's being told to you by this narrator. And as a reader, there comes a point where you realize that perhaps this character who is narrating to you um, is not telling the truth or that they don't realize the truth, right? Like sometimes... It doesn't necessarily mean that the narrator is lying, um, but it might mean that the narrator can't see what you as the reader can see. And so you can't really rely on their version of the truth um, or their version of the story, that there are going to be inconsistencies or things that aren't true within that. Um, So you should approach that narration with a little bit of skepticism. I always like narrators like that, where you can sort of see through what, what they're saying to what's actually there. Yeah. Um, so they're unreliable is the, <laughs> is, yeah. is the key, is the key thing, right? And, and it, it, so it may or may not be lies. Um, and um, so how this relates to what I'm talking about and, and what, uh, what Suzanne shared in terms of this isn't just about adoptees right so i've done my 
self self exploration work over the last 13 years always with non adoptees and with people that have nothing to do with um, adoption and what i found from that is that um we all have an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. we all have a voice in our head that lies more than it tells the truth and most of us and i'm talking about me in particular here don't realize that <laughs> you know i spent 5 days on a retreat essentially everybody got their everybody shared their their story but not just what had happened how they'd made it how it had made them there's eight of us on this group um and it, it's called uh, broadband consciousness if anybody wants to look it up um put it into into google broadband consciousness is run by richard and liz um and it, what became clear is that uh everybody was believing the voice in their head and everybody's that the the, uh, uh, the 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 lies that we were believing about ourselves um are not actually ourselves and we were spending an inordinate amount of time trying to shut that voice up and uh, I, you know i got so i came i came to that I came to that uh, retreat with some insecurity around business, not being good at business, not being as good as my dad at business or my mum at business for that matter, uh, and and not being good enough on the you know on the adoption stuff, the giving away thing. Um, and so what what it transpired is we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to trying to silence the voice and. Um, instead of, uh, uh, but when when what we what we resist persists, right? So what we fight against gets bigger. We, it becomes more and more of an issue. Uh, and and as uh, as as Richard, who runs this broadband consciousness course, um, talks about, it, it's it's a lot easier to actually um, identify the unreliable narrator realize it's not us okay so it's it's not who we are we are the one hearing the voice in the head we're not the one saying the voice but the voice in our head's got our got it's got our accent right and it sounds like <laughs> us so we think it's us um and and uh, it's far easier life is is far easier when um the 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 unreliable narrator is not relied on anymore and in fact becomes uh, uh, an opinion that we no longer value yeah i think one of the more freeing realizations i've had in my life is that i am not my thoughts you know like like it's my thoughts are not the definition of me they're separate from me you know like they're generated by me but like so i think that's along the same lines right like yeah. Well, y- yeah, until you said generated by me. <laughs> so it, it depends what you mean by me. So they can be generated by either the truth of who you are or the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Right? So I the, the 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 voice in my head is 99.9% BS. But I did have a little voice in my head um, back in 1993. Um, so uh, this is to do with um, the lady that's now my wife, Lynn. So we went out. We used to work together. She was my boss. So we went out for we went out for for lunch as we often did. I sometimes there was three of us, four of us. That 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 day was only two. And 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 she told me that um, she found out that her, her fiance was cheating on her, and again, and and you know she he'd had his final warning, and and he it, she'd kicked him out, and and the little voice in in my head said, 
maybe there's a chance here for you. That's what the little voice in my head. But so there was truth to that. And, you know, we're, we're, four years later, whatever, we got married and we're still together. Um, it'll be 25 years in on, on the, it'll be 25 years on the 29th of November. So we're doing, yeah. we're recording this on the 10th of November. So the, the voice in my head is 99, that, that was the 0.1% thing, right? When the voice on my head was a good one. Um, 99% of it is, is rubbish. But it's a matter of like who who it's who is creating who is creating this voice. You, I'm totally with you on the we are not our thoughts. The distance between us and our thoughts is a life changing uh, realization when it's kind of embodied and it and it and, and so I, I think of you know something that we glimpse with our eye. That's one level of seeing thing. Then then we have something that we get as a concept in our head. Um, then we have something that we get in our heart and then it becomes something we get in our bones. So like when we get that, like it sounds like you've got that in your bones, in your gut, you truly believe that we are not our thoughts, but at that level, it makes a difference as a, it, it's you know it reading it on a bumper sticker and thinking oh, yeah that that doesn't change my <laughs> life um so most of the time i think for me you know that um we, we are coming from um the 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 so 99.9 percent of, of what goes on in my head is 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 unreliable narration and and i didn't create that it's not coming from me. It's coming from this alter ego, this ego, this unreliable narrator. So that's a kind of a splitting thing. Um, what, what do you make? What do you make of that, Suzanne? What, do you, is anything? Is anything there? Does that anything land there for you? Anything comes to to your mind? I, I yeah, I, I think that um, it's more complicated than we really know. Oh. Um, and that uh, I I'm I tend to avoid um, grasping to one theology or one idea uh, among us that we experience reality in very different ways, and um, that it's you know we're all on a journey. So it's um, you know as far as the voices I you know that we hear, I've had. Plenty of um, times when instinct, if that's one of the voices, has been something that served me really well and kept me safe and um, and has made good decisions, you know, for the directions and stuff that I've gone um, about people, about their ability to be honest and um, and you know who who people are at a, a deeper core. But I, I, I think that we have to define that for ourselves individually, and that it's um, difficult to do uh, in a broader sense for other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you use the word instinct, and you know the word that comes to my mind is kind of gut instinct, and gut instinct, and 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 brains can be different things right yeah <laughs> um so what what have you learned about yourself through this and what are you learning right i'm, I'm a lifelong learning fan you know so I, whenever i say learned i always try and say i'm still learning you know, because uh, the, the 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 journey that you refer to, um, Suzanne, is 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 ongoing, isn't it? And 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 it is an ongoing learning journey. So, what are you learning about yourself? Mm, I think that I have, because of the outcome, really, that I've uh, come to really forgive. The 16 year old who made the decision 
and the decisions that she made that her instincts were pretty right on and um, that her distrust of adults <clears throat> at the time were well-deserved that um sorry what was well deserved uh distrusting the adults that were trying to make the decisions for me at the time um i think that um that i stayed true to what i instinctually thought were the best ways forward and i and i'm glad now that you know i'm relieved that they turned out the way that they did but it was something that i had to live with not knowing for 40 years you know so it's um that's more of a sense of relief and just more of forgiveness and trust and even at that younger age that i was able to navigate this um despite having well-intentioned adults and sometimes not so well-intentioned adults trying to drag me in other directions and that standing my ground was the way to go. So it was, um, yeah, so I'd go back and thank her now if I could. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. And how, I mean, there's the, you, you use two words or three words. You, you talked about not knowing and then relief. What does, what, what does that, what, what does that look like? How, how was the not knowing? What, what was the, what was the not knowing like? And what was the relief like? I, I'm not sure that there's a way to describe it, but it is one of the most, well, it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do is, is giving up Cynthia as a baby. And it, um, there is no part of you that does not go through the anguish of that um, and relive it. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it is... Um, yeah, and then not the not knowing part is is also part of it. You know, not knowing is she safe, not knowing is she healthy, not knowing if she's loved and cared for. Um, and at some point, you have to trust the universe a bit um, that you made the best decision you could, and then accept the consequences about hope for the best. Yeah. Sounds like peace now. 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 Yeah. I bet your unreliable narrator was going absolutely ape for years, right? Well, I had good reason to because yeah. the hospital, when Cynthia was ill, when she was right after she became ill, right after she was born, a couple of days after. And I found out about that, um, but they wouldn't let me see her. And so they wouldn't give me any information about her. Um, when I called or tried to find out more about it, they told me that she probably wasn't going to make it. I think they were just trying to stop me from pursuing um, my parental rights at the time. Um, and wow. so, yeah, it was pretty ugly. It was, it was actually horrific what they did. Um, but um totally yeah yeah i um i was at our goddaughter's 21st birthday um a couple of weeks ago and so i've been friends with her her dad for probably 30 years and it was an honor to be to be god godfather and also why do you know like why would you pick science to be god because he's not really into religion or anything like that anyway um but i and we rarely you know we we rarely speak on the phone i had i can only remember one time we ever spoken on the phone we meet down the pub or we go out for dinner or you know we have dinner parties anyway um i remember him his his daughters got hydra it's a form of i can never remember how you say it, but it's a form of dwarfism okay and i remember him ringing me the night before uh, she was due the daughter was due and saying that at the last minute they discovered this 
that's had a scan and haven't seen it before, but they 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 discovered this form of dwarfism with the scan, and they didn't think she was going to make it. Um, and that's twenty one years ago, right? So you're going back forty years. Back. I I I remember pacing around the lounge, listening to my friend Jonathan talking about this stuff, and like my heart going out for him and 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 crying and you know the 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 girl's not gonna the daughter's not gonna make it and um and preparing them for the worst right and this was yeah um and and uh and and then she did you know and 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 twenty one years later you know, I was at this it was a small party like thirty forty of us and and. I was chatting to a guy and said he uh, another one of it, their friends saying, and he says, Are you gonna gonna make a speech? It's like Godfather. And I'm like, No, I can't. Anyway, I did. I did a little speech I, and I told I told her a little bit about that story um of, of of the night before that she she was born and um and how she'd made it and uh, and it just like it, as soon as you said that, it just came kind of coming coming back to me and 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 how that must have felt, you know that that uh, despair, and the and and how out of order, to put it very mildly, they 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 were at the hospital to to leave you with that, try and shut you down by sharing lies with you. I mean, that's yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. It's outrageous. It's outrageous, and and it's a lot more outrageous than an unreliable narrator. It's downright untruths, right? So, mm -hmm. how you got through that for forty years, I don't know. Or, yeah, you know, like uh, as best you could, I guess. I mean, I listen to some podcasts and people try and reduce it down to mindset and and you know, how did you do this? How did you? Well, we don't we don't know. We haven't got a clue. Most of the time, how we get through stuff, and they try and retro retrofit a strategy or a mindset strategy over something that is completely and utterly unfathomable, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's part of the reason that we want to also share this story too, because there's other 16 year old girls out there, and in the states right now, you know, a lot of them are facing state governments that don't allow for abortion. They are, you know, going to be forced into going through adoption. And I don't know that our states are not going to be less bullies than they were back when I was 16. Um, and, uh, you know, being in that position as a 16 year old, I, the adults have the power, you know, and it's very hard to maintain that power. And, Stay true to what decisions you think are the most important ones to make. So it's there are a lot of other people out there that are affected by, you know, that's what's happening today. Yeah, I was chatting to a guy at the swimming pool today. And he was saying that um, he's uh, he's had a, he's snapped a, a tendon in his arm, and um, four people have said that it can't be fixed. A doctor has said it can be fixed, um, but he won't do it because this guy is 70. Um, and the guy can't afford to have it done, uh, go private. So here in the UK, we have nas this National Health Service thing. So everybody gets that healthcare free. Um, so it, but it, and, and some people buy it. Some people buy health insurance. Um, some people get, like, like in the States, some people get health insurance with their business. Um, uh, and you can have health insurance, or you can pay if you don't have insurance. Health insurance, you can pay for that. Pay, pay, pay for each operation. And it, it, um, it trans. What the the thing that came to me was, um, all this stuff is just an an opinion. So four people said it couldn't be fixed. One person said it could be fixed. So it's all just like we we think we kind of. These people with power, these people with authority, we think that they're right and they're just 
they're just sharing and they're just sharing their opinion but because they've got a white coat on right we trust them and the thing that popped into my head as i was driving back from the pool is that it wasn't so long ago that that um uh, doctors were promoting cigarettes doctors like in the 50s and 60s docs doctors appeared on tv adverts saying smoking was good for you and for some reason we seem to forget the fact that doc doctors are just sharing their opinions you know um, yeah i just i would just clarify there that it wasn't the doctors it wasn't the nurses for the oh. most part that were causing the, the challenges that i faced it was um the system uh, the state um the adoption agency the um i guess one of the nurses at least at least one of them at the hospital was horrific but yeah it was also family members and i was you know told that, that uh what to do and yeah. and it wasn't what was in the best interest of yeah. me or of cynthia and it so I, you know when we talk about like the medical field i also you know there were outliers there's outliers in every field right so those folks that were promoting smoking most doctors i think knew that they were wrong um and there are people who are sellouts in every single discipline right but we also just came through an international pandemic that millions more of us could have just died you know so it's it's just it's not a matter of like distrusting people it's a matter of finding out what are the facts being able to discern this in a way that um is makes sense that goes beyond opinion and has some basis in in um reality in terms of like research and duplication of research and you know all of those things are so important that we we don't just rely on people's opinions um but when it comes to like personal decision like this of adoption versus the other options that might or might not be on the table um i think that uh that those people need to listen to their own inner voice and it's not just the anxiety voice in your head of the, the moral compass that's there of what's right or wrong for me yeah Thank you. I kind of rushed at that straight to pull a, a, a bullet a china shop in there. So thank you for <laughs> for for for, for uh, calling calling me out on that. As as you were talking, I thought, well, that this is just my opinion or their opinion, right? So <laughs> <laughs> so um, so thank you, Suzanne. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, I've got I've clearly got a bit of a bee in my bonnet. <laughs> Uh, we all do at times. I need to look at it. So I'm conscious of uh, of time, and I'm just wondering, you know, if there's uh, uh, something that I've not asked that you'd like to a question that I've not asked that you'd like to share or share yeah. some, some insights on it, or whether we um, whether we wrap it up. I've been, I of course have been thinking about your question about what I would say to adoptees this whole time now. <laughs> um, I, if I, if I had any lesson, not advice, but any lesson that I think that I've learned that I sort of already knew, but was just super reinforced by this last year, it's the idea that love isn't finite. You don't have this sort of set amount of it. And uh, that becomes very important in a situation where, you know, suddenly there's a lot more people in your life and a, your circle's expanded. And, mm -hmm. and um, I just have so many more people to love yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, but it's, it's always been an important distinction. I think for me to make that, that doesn't mean that the people who were already there get less. Right. So like that is, a way that we can think of it, I think that can be destructive, you know, that if, if you're open and giving and give your love to this new person and this new connection, that that's somehow taking away from what you had before. And it just really doesn't, 
I mean, it does depend on how they, you know, the people in your family and how they feel about it too, but it, it can be just this incredibly open, you know, ever expanding circle of family and love. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that was the outcome we were really hoping for that it would be like this where the whole family gets to reunite and, and, uh, seeing my mother meet your mother last <laughs> week or so yeah. ago was pretty symbolic of how this whole thing has gone of just how much gratitude there is and you know just really willingness to be embraced a bigger family and w one last thing for a question for, for both of you. Um, if you could, um, if, if I, so I just say it, shall I? Um, what, what would you, what would you call this? What, what would the, what, what would you call this conversation that we've had? What would be the title of the podcast episode? <laughs> hmm. Uh, Something to do with the journey. <laughs> how and the why. <laughs> the how and the why. <laughs> That's the title of my book. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's about adoption. So Yeah, I, I was think I, I was thinking something to do with uh, what um what you said, Cynthia, about infinite love, actually. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving um, in a, next week, the week after that. And uh, it, this will be, I think, the first year that we celebrate Thanksgiving with my mom and Suzanne together. Brilliant. So, like, we'll be... We're bringing the, both the families to the table and uh, it'll be lovely to have everybody together. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, and uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. We will speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye.